0: This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website, william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message.
1: Early in the Old Testament, God chose the children of Israel to be His chosen people they were the elected the ones that god chose to be like a bride for a bridegroom they were surrounded by religious cults practicing idolatry and in ezekiel sixteen god spoke through ezekiel to remind them of where they came from and where they were going in god's eyes they were the underdog they were the pitiful race that the worshipers of Baal despised god said Your origin and your birth are of the land of the Canaanites. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut. Nor will you wash with water to cleanse you, rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling cloths. No eye pitied you to do any of these things for you out of compassion for you. But you were cast out into an open field for you were abhorred on the day that you were born. It's easy to compare the cord that is still attached to the child in this analogy, especially considering the peoples that are mentioned, the Amorites and the Hittites. While God chose them to be his people, they were still attached to their forefathers. But God wanted them to be separate. Like a bride to her husband, God wanted Israel to separate from her parents to become his chosen. Later in Ezekiel 16, God says this, When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love. I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you declares the lord god and you became mine i bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and anointed you with oil i clothed you also with embroidered cloth and shod you with fine leather i wrapped you in fine linen and covered you with silk i adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck I put a ring in your nose, and earrings in your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. And your renown went forth among the nations because of your beauty. For it was perfect through the splendor that I had bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. Father God was preparing His bride to become His wife. He knew the beginning and the end, and He knew that she would give birth to the greatest son the world has ever known, Jesus Christ. Like any husband, God was jealous towards the bride that He chose. Time after time, example after example, in the Bible, the bride went whoring after other husbands, those who practiced idolatry and did not serve the one true God. God spoke through Ezekiel condemning Israel for not staying true to her husband in the same chapter. Adulterous wife who receives strangers instead of her husband. Men give gifts to all prostitutes. But you gave your gifts to all your lovers, bribing them to come to you from every side with your whorings. So you were different from every other woman in your whorings. No one solicited you to play the whore, and you gave payment while no payment was given to you. Therefore you were different. Like a bride for her husband, the children of Israel did not choose God. God chose them. And they were not perfect. They were far from it. Israel was never able to submit herself wholly before her husband. Time after time, the children of Israel proved that they could not make themselves holy through works of the law. But she was the bride for the bridegroom, one that would bear a son that would save the world from sin. After calling Israel the greatest whore, that was or ever was to come worse even than Sodom God gave a promise the sisters speaking of the Gentiles not Jews would be given to Israel as daughters previously in the chapter God said that the older sister was Samaria and the younger sister was Sodom and he says this in the same chapter I will deal with you as you have done you who have despised the oath in breaking the covenant, the Mosaic law. He says, Yet I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth, and I will establish for you, listen, an everlasting covenant. Then you will remember your ways and be ashamed when you take your sisters, both elder and younger, and I give them to you as daughters. But not on account of the covenant with you, I will establish my covenant covenant with you, and you shall know that I am the Lord, that you may remember and be confounded, and never open your mouth because of your shame, when I atone for you all that you have done, declares the Lord God. Now notice the part about the covenants. These sisters would be given to Israel as daughters, not because of the old covenant of law. God said not on account of the covenant with you, meaning the Mosaic law. He said that he would establish a new covenant, and said that that covenant was everlasting. Under Darby's dispensational doctrine, that trickled down through Clarence Larkin heavily influenced those coming from the Azusa Street Revival, and was plagiarized by William Branham as divine revelation from God, the age of the old covenant being replaced with the new covenant fits into that theology. But when Darby introduced the rapture theology, there is a vast twisting and elimination of scripture. Darby was just one in the many line of religious men who created elitist groups. People who falsely believed that their little group was more special than all other Christians. And he placed an end to the dispensation of grace. He took God's eternal covenant and taught that it was only eternal until the next dispensation. Listen to this twisting of scripture by William Branham just to promote Darby's false teaching of the everlasting covenant of grace. Branham says this, 1954, the mark of the beast. Remember, Gentiles are only limited amount of time for grace. Compare those two. Eternal, says God, limited, says Branham. The Bible said they would trod down the walls of Jerusalem, Jesus said, till the Gentile dispensation would be finished. Hmm. He says, that's right. It's got a definite set of time. So again, we have Branham saying a definite set of time, and we have God saying, this is an everlasting covenant. It's the eternal covenant of grace. In fact... Compared to Darby, William Branham took it a step further, falsely teaching that we should already be past the dispensation of grace, but that we did not yet have rapturing faith. Branham tried to take the everlasting covenant of grace, and he tried to make it end during his ministry. There are really only two schools of thought concerning the body of Christ. We have the description given in the New Testament by Paul and the apostles. That is the truth that the body of Christ reaches vast areas of the earth and being one with God. Under Paul's teaching, there are no special parts of the body of Christ. No foolish virgins that will be cut off from the body to receive a lesser portion. But then we have the teaching of William Branham. (laughs) <laughs> but it was not his own. He copied from John Alexander Dowie and Clarence Larkin, John Darby, the entire trail of false teachers leading all the way back to what many would call a witch, <laughs> Jane Leed, the mystic prophet. These false teachers promoted division and separation. The elite Christians... Must separate themselves from every other person who believes Christ to become more spiritually enlightening, spiritually enlightened. Faith in Jesus Christ is not good enough. They must earn their special reward that all the other members of the body of Christ they mistakenly thought would not receive. While Branham claimed that he taught the same message that Paul preached in a false or faked vision. This message of separation is an opposing stance from the teachings of Christ that spread down through the apostles and was proclaimed by Paul to the early church. While the false teachers instructed to separate, Paul says this in Ephesians 4.16, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly makes the body to grow so that it builds itself up in love. This was the same in all of Paul's letters. He warned us that false teachers would rise, usually associated with false prophets, and they would try to sever the body of Christ. They would try to come and create divisions. It's a battle strategy by Satan Divide the body of Christ and make them fight against themselves rather than the true evil that Christ sent us to fight. To the Romans, Paul says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions. Put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching that you have learned. Keep away from them. Romans 16:17. To the Corinthians, Paul repeats himself, He says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 1 Corinthians 1.10 When these false teachers come preaching, promoting this special group that was supposed to be better than all of the other Christians, they had to twist and actually omit large portions of Scripture. Each instance in the Old Testament speaking of God's bride was twisted to apply to the new covenant bride of Christ, not the bride Ezekiel spoke about, which was the children of Israel. How many times have you heard Ezekiel 16 preached in any of the recording sermons of William Branham? How many times from behind the pulpits of the cult churches have you heard of God's faithless bride that would be given Sodom as one of her daughters? How she was the great whore, or how God's bride wore earrings and a nose ring. Any time that your doctrine has to omit portions of scripture that seems to fit, your doctrine is false. This twisting of scripture, taking passages that are speaking to God's bride, who was to produce the Son of Man, and pointing them to the bride of Christ, could not be done without first denying the supreme deity and the fullness of God. That is why you find William Branham sometimes praying to the Holy Spirit, calling the Spirit the third person of the Trinity, while at other times preaching dualism, just a father and a son. Mostly he preaches modalism. God is one like your finger. To falsely call God's bride the bride of Christ, you must first deny the triune nature of God. Christ must become the father, and then they're all one bride. Like Charles Taze Russell and his Jehovah's Witness teaching, you must take Jehovah of the Old Testament and you must call him Jesus of the New. You must take the word Elohim, which has a translated plural meaning, and make it one like your finger. That's why the churches do not preach Ezekiel 16. It's avoided like the plague. Search the 1124 sermons by William Branham, Search it for Ezekiel 16. You'll be shocked. Not a single time, not one, is this passage mentioned because it completely unravels his entire platform of ministry. Not the platform that the man fell paralyzed, ran screaming, died six weeks later, was still suffering from the same cancer, but the platform that was the entire foundation for his rapturing faith or his Word Bride, or his Third pull, or his Malachi 4 ministry. In other words, quick, hide the Scripture. Tear it from your Bibles like my sons tore the flyleaf out. And hide it quickly from your people in the desk drawer. Better yet, burn it. We can never let anyone know the true Word of God. Friends, Paul said in Ephesians that there is Nothing that we can do to make ourselves a better Christian. We're all sinners, saved by grace. Paul says, by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 When a father gives a gift to his children, it does not matter how much they have tried to earn it. They can't earn a gift. It's given to them. That's why, Paul says, it's not of yourselves. The only way that this can work is if you deny the Father and call God one like your finger. That's why that he does this. This is the only way that you can deny that he gave us the gift. The only way that you can deny that God's bride gave birth to the Son of God, and quite frankly, deny that God's Son was the creator of the heavens and the earth just as the bible plainly states to deny the eternal sonship of christ you must also deny that the world was even created because jesus christ was the creator to deny god's everlasting covenant of grace and to deny that other christians are in the body of christ to deny this is to deny christ himself paul said that we are one with christ one body that is bound with every fiber of the body therefore to deny other members of the body in your elitist cult that claims to be christian you are actually denying christ this makes your cult anti-christ listen to paul's message which is polar opposite of william branham's message or the cult that is called the message Paul says this for the for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the all the members of the body through many are one body, so is it with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free are all made to drink one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but of many in other words the body that is of christ is not just you guys who think you are holy because you believe this guy was a prophet there are many members in the body of christ paul continues if the foot should say because i'm not a hand i do not belong to the body that would make it no less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, would it have the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, would it have the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Listen to what Paul is saying here. Just because the cult is the foot, it can't say to the hand, the Baptist, because you're not a foot, you're not part of the body. Or to the ear, the Wesleyans, the eye, the Methodists. Take the number of cult members who look at any other Christian in any of the denominations and examine their thoughts against that Christian. Cannon fodder! All others who do not believe the lies of their false prophet have taken the mark of the beast, they say. But if you take any member of any of the other Christians, look at their walk in love with Christ. A Methodist is not going to look at the Baptist with a scornful eye, thinking that their member of the body is no longer part of the body of Christ. They love each other as Christians. They do not have the cult mindset programmed with the separation teaching from wolves in sheep's clothing. And they may not have everything exactly right. Paul says that some parts of the body of Christ are weaker than others. But he doesn't say to cut them off. How many of you would cut off your leg when it has a bruise? On the contrary, Paul says... He writes, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which of our more presentable parts do not require this modesty? Think of that. That totally unravels William Branham's doctrine of modesty. He says that the the modest parts, the ones that obviously are for reproduction, he says that they require the greater modesty. He says which are presentable parts do not require. He says, but God so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the the members may have the same care for one another. See Paul's message. No division, no separation. We are all part of the body of Christ. All Christians because we're given a gift. The gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The everlasting not soon to end dispensation, the everlasting covenant of grace. Paul continues, If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then the miracles, Then the gifts of healing, the helping, the administrating, and various kinds of tongues. He asks, are all apostles? He asks, are all prophets? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? Paul says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. When the Azusa Street Revival first broke out and paved the way for cult leaders like William Branham, they focused on the gifts. If you did not speak in tongues, you had no evidence of the Holy Spirit, they claimed. Many in the Branham cult realize this and will speak harshly against their Pentecostal brothers who teach this. But they do not realize that they are two branches from the same root. While the Pentecostal sees tongues as vindication of God in their midst, the Branham cult sees healing as vindication of God. In fact, they don't even care that this prophet does not have a single prophecy that came to pass. He had healing. It was vindication from God that he was a prophet. Who cares that he lied in practically every sermon about himself or his past or his present or the future or even scripture? He could heal. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Paul describes all of the gifts given to all of the churches, and how not all would have the same gift. And just because one group could heal, while others were appointed to be nothing more than servants or helpers, Paul does not viciously sever that member of the body of Christ. In fact, all of these are of no consequence if they are missing the very same thing that these cults are missing that came from the Darby root. This chapter ends with Paul saying this in 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says, I will show you a more excellent way. I recommend that everyone who is bound in chains of this cult of William Branham read what comes next, especially the pastors who have seemingly forgotten it, and it's found in 1 Corinthians 13. The English Standard Version gives this chapter a very fitting title. It's called The Way of Love.